Hey podcast viewers, we've recently simplified how you can download Talking Cars. We now offer a single high quality video option for download. So make sure you subscribe to Talking Cars HQ so you can stay up to date on all of the latest episodes. As always, thanks for watching. On this episode, we answer a lot of your questions, including talking about the new Mazda CX-9, next on Talking Cars. Hi everybody, welcome to Talking Cars with Consumer Reports. I'm Tom Mutchler. I'm Jake Fisher. And I'm Mike Monticello. Hey Mike, we want to welcome you to Talking Cars. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thanks. Well, uh, I was uh, been out in California for the last 15 years. I was at Road and Track Magazine for 10 years and then I was at Edmunds.com mm. for the last five years and uh, now I'm out here with you guys. Well cool, we are so happy to have you here. Uh, the last couple of episodes, we haven't had time to get to questions. So this episode, all questions. All questions, all the time. First question from Brian Rosado. Can't wait for them to talk about the new Mazda CX-9. Guess what we bought yesterday? We it's Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We bought ourselves a new Mazda CX-9 Touring. We also happen to have a CX-9 a signature press cart here at the track at the same time, and we've driven it. What do you think? You know, I like it. Uh, it's funny. There's some things about it. Uh, there's some things I really like, and there's some things that uh, I'm a little surprised at. You know, mm -hmm. I, it's got this 2.5 liter turbocharged four cylinder, which is uh, a big thing for Mazda. Sure. Uh, it's got plenty of power, but just off the line, even it sounds, it feels a little dieselly. It's kind of a little gruff all the time. It's never, it's never quiet, mm -hmm. and so it's like I said, plenty of power. Uh, but I was just. Even on the highway, you always have that sense of that the engine is, is there, yet the car is much quieter than it used to be. Everything else about the car is really quiet. Right. I mean, we used to complain constantly um, about Mazdas being noisy. We still complain about that. And yeah, it appears that they finally made a quiet Mazda. Mm -hmm. Dream the impossible dream. I mean, we're big fans of Mazdas. A lot of Mazdas um, lineup. I mean, they have a lot in common. They are very sporty to drive and all that good stuff. They're very fuel efficient, but they've always been noisy. And I think that was kind of my overwhelming thing. Like, wow, this thing is actually quiet. They mm -hmm. figured out how to throw in the 50 pounds of sound deadening or whatever they have yeah, to add no, to it. Yeah, we, we sat through the presentation yesterday that the old CX-9 had 17 pounds of sound deadening and this one has something like 54. I mean, it's, it's a massive increase in well, sound this deadening. Is what and all, double all laminated glass on the windshield and on the front side windows. But I mean, it's what all car companies are all doing All car companies now. are doing this. There is quite, I mean, I know when I built my, my race car, you know, I sat there with the chisel and the cold and I was, you know, taking up huge chunks of sound ending. And this was on a Toyota Mark II. I was going to say, there wasn't a ton of sound ending. <laughs> but there was. I mean, there was many, many pounds of sound deadening, even on, in, a, in a mid 80s, 80s uh, Toyota Mark II. So yeah, they're adding that. That's really important. I mean, when you're driving the car, you want to be quiet. I mean, I think they got rid of most of the sound of the engine, yeah. but there is a, a, a little bit of a gruffness it's a little to gruff. it. It's a little gruff. It doesn't have the smoothness of a V6. No. Well, but it's got really it depends good, on which V6 you're talking about. Let me, well, I mean, okay, that's fair. I mean, the, the, the outgoing right. 3.7 liter, which they had sourced from Ford, was not the most refined. I mean, range, I think this right? is more refined but, than that, and it, it doesn't need to downshift all the time. Well, too. I was going to say, I like that they stayed with a six-speed automatic transmission. I like that it's still a, a normal transmission, and it still has, you know, you can put it over in manual mode, uh, and, and downshift is forwards, and, and upshift is backwards. It's a nice, normal transmission, and it doesn't have to shift. I'm a little tired of these eight and nine speeds that are always shifting. Mm. And because it has power way down low. It's got, it's got a lot of torque down uh, low, it, yeah. It doesn't, uh, you know, you don't, you're, it's not constantly being upset. Right, and that actually brings us to one of the more interesting parts of this, um, one of the more interesting trivia bits about this car is that Mazda gave it two horsepower ratings. Uh, one on regular fuel, I think it's 227 on regular fuel, and um, 
250. 250 on premium. Uh, the thing is, is that pre you'll, that is horsepower. It's at the top end of the RPM curve. And it brings the old adage out that Americans buy <clears throat> horsepower, but we love torque. So, and okay. this has a ton of torque right off right. the Right, so, so torque is all that kind of a low-end power that you feel. I mean, horsepower is actually just calculation. Everyone quotes horsepower numbers, but it's really a calculation of torque at, at what RPM. And that's what it really is. And most engines, they actually produce the power down low when it's actually doing the higher RPM, it's actually at higher speeds, then you're actually getting that maximum power. The point is that you're driving around a three-row SUV, you're not driving it at 6,000 RPM your feeling of being quick, you're not doing quarter mile times on this. I mean, mm -hmm. maybe some people are, I doubt it. it but but it's, like, it, it's, a, it's a round town, it's normal driving, it's between those low RPMs. And here's the interesting thing, and it's, this actually ties to a story that we just put out about um, when, uh, fuel, when your fuel, uh, premium fuel is recommended. So we actually did a whole bunch of testing and we found that on cars that have Premium fuel is recommended but not required. Mm -hmm. When we put in regular gas, there was no difference that we could tell. There was no difference in fuel economy. There's no difference in coloration. Because the, on any difference is actually at the very high end, which most people aren't really experiencing. And this is actually was what this data shows about this car. So there's two horsepower ratings. But the thing is identical until you get to like four, five, six thousand right. RPM, and and you hardly ever, most people hardly ever go over four thousand RPM. So mm -hmm. why does it matter? And and I hope we're not uh, overstepping our bounds here, but Mazda told an interesting story about testing this car, getting it ready, that they actually went out and followed moms driving in their SUVs home and trying to see what kind of acceleration they did leaving the school. Mm. And they said, first of all, they actually accelerated a lot harder than they thought they would. Right. But you know, it's just funny that that's what they did. They went out and followed people to see what their driving patterns were to tune the car. Mm -hmm. or, or, or dads leaving. Yeah, exactly. Kids, now the sad thing is, is that- I'm I, one of those. And <laughs> the sad thing is, I bet a lot of those parents were just driving in suburban America, straight streets. They may have missed out the fact that this is a really spry handling SUV. This, this feels like a Mazda. So, 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 to drive. It's it really drives smaller nimble. than it is. You know, it's yeah. one of those drive smaller yeah. vehicles. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, you know, you look at different car companies and they try to have like, you know, a DNA, right? A certain, you know, way their, their cars drive. And, you know, even like a, a company like BMW, you get into the X1, it doesn't drive like a BMW. You get into like a Mercedes Benz, they all drive pretty, drive, drive pretty nice. But you know what? The CLA doesn't drive mm -hmm. anything like the rest of the lineup. It seems like everything that Mazda's putting out, and I include the Scion IA, which is built by Mazda, sure. they drive very similar. And you know, if you got out of a Miata or a Mazda 3 and you get into this, you're gonna recognize the way the car steers. You're gonna mm -hmm. recognize that. It has that same feel and it's very, very enjoyable for those who care about that. Right, so what you have here is you have a car that has a, a plenty of torque down low, a car that feels light and nimble to drive, a car that's quiet, and you wind up with a car that masks speed very well, a car that is very rewarding to drive for the enthusiast in a class that there's not a ton of great driving midsize SUVs unless you start getting to an Audi Q7 or a BMW X5. Right, and now you're talking about a lot of money. Right, now you're talking, I mean, our, uh, CX, our CX-9 touring here is $40,000. Those cars are 65. Yeah, so you're way below that. And this is a comfortable vehicle too. I mean, <coughs> the ride's pretty good. Mm -hmm. uh, the seats are really comfortable. Um, I, a, the, the adjustments are a little fiddly on the seat. They are, and I know some people will probably bother that you can't move the front of the seat up. You can only move the rear of the seat up. So when it's right. at its maximum lowest, you're not going to be able to get more more thigh support. They suit me fine. 
but some people may have a problem with it. But I think there are really comfortable seats, and every CX-9 gets the exact same seats, just different material. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, this is a very rewarding to drive so, which is which, And I think you're exactly right. In this segment, you don't see a whole lot of that. Mm -hmm. In small cars, mid-sized cars, you can get that. In terms of SUVs, um, yeah, you kind of have to really ante up. I mean, you get a Highlander or a Pilot, they don't drive that great. I mean, they're great functional cars. They are, they're really refined. I would argue they feel roomier inside. Oh, yeah. And, and they're, and, yeah. and they're, this yeah. is a, well, especially this, the Pilot. Feels, the Pilot's kind of like a, like a minivan. But I mean, I think, you know, the thing is that they're, they're not driver's vehicles. So, you know, this kind of just shows to, you don't have to go to a, you know, a, an Audi Q7. You don't have to go to a BMW X5 in order to get something that's enjoyable to drive and still have a large, larger SUV. Right. You also don't have to go to a Tesla Model X. Yeah. And uh, our last episode was about the Tesla Model X, and we got quite a bit of feedback about that. Some people agreed with us that the, the Falcon wing doors and the big windshield and the interior layout left something to be desired when it came to practicality. Other people were less mm -hmm. amenable. Other people made personal attacks let's, against let's me. Let's hear from them. Well, no, <laughs> and that wasn't me. I didn't know that was not you. That is absolutely For the shocking. <laughs> I know. The internet, personal <laughs> yeah. attacks and comments, hard to believe. But uh, here's a comment that actually sums up the negative comments pretty well and had not many obscenities in it, so we'll, we'll go with this one. <laughs> Why is it that you can't get used to things that are new and fresh? All you care about is function and things only your mom would think about when she buys a car. People who buy Model Xs are thinking about the future of automobiles, regardless of the complexity the car has, especially with those gullwing doors. They sort of care of practicalities, but that's not their first priority when buying a Model X. It is, in fact, the wow factor. Our next question. No, I mean, look, I <laughs> yeah. mean, look. This, first, this, this, first, first, off, first off, don't throw the mom thing in because it was your mom who was asking why there aren't more convertibles in the world, right? Yes, my mom wants to know why people buy practical cars because she <laughs> wants, right, she thinks that everything should be a convertible in a sports car. But anyway, so I mean, here's the thing is that we are all for innovation. We are all for the future of vehicles. We are all for changing stuff in a better way. Mm -hmm. This is the difference. This is the fork in the road, okay? Do you change things just for change's sake, or do you change things to make them better? And this is where the Tesla Model S veered differently than the X. Right. The Model S said, hey, we'll get rid of the starter button, because you don't need it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, hey, they're right. That's pretty innovative, and that's pretty cool. They simplified some things. You can download updates through the cloud. You, you know, that is innovation that makes things better. We have better. an electric car now that can go 250 miles. That, it goes zero to 60 and in four seconds. And can charge in four hours yeah, through dual That's charging. all the innovation. The, 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 taking, the future of automobiles is not gullwing doors with a ton well, of motors in them. Whatever happened to modesty? Why do we, why do we need to show <laughs> off? Now, why this need to show off? And you know, look, you know anything about the car industry? I, I don't. <laughs> Going doors, they look cool, but everyone knows. We, we know now that Tesla has reliability issues. Mm -hmm. When you put something like that on this car, you're just asking for more problems. Even the front doors open oddly. You know, they have the weird way that they open. You right, have right, to block right. them so they don't hit mm -hmm. hit another car. The second row seats don't fold down. That's ridiculous in an SUV. Right. right. When you yes. sit in the third row, it seems like you have great you know, leg room for your inner knee, but your <laughs> other knee is bashed up against a very hard seat back. So there's right. some things about this vehicle that just don't even make sense from an SUV standpoint. Right, and I mean, if, if, you, do, if you do want to say that people buying these cars are going for the wow factor, fine. They can decide the wow factor on their own. But I've, 
in the end, it's our job to tell you if it, if it is practical or not, if these things make sense. And but, but you, sorry, the Model X doesn't. But you do it best, you sense. get the wow factor, and you have stuff that works better. And that is what we expect, and I think that's what, that's what I think put Tesla on the map mm -hmm. with the Model S. It's like, hey, why not have a big car that's a big hatchback so I can throw stuff in the back, and wow, that makes right. sense. Right, there was a lot of clever thinking There was in the so model. much clever yes. thinking about what they did. Let's build the whole car around a battery, you know, it's mm -hmm. on the floor, that's great. Let's have a frunk. I mean, yeah, there's, there's a right. ton of clever, practical and stuff. And they're practical. This it's is less clever, clever more cool is that's what right. this is. Totally. That, that, that's exactly it. Totally. Um, car Carteria asks, I am looking for a new truck. I like the F-150, but would like to hear your thoughts about the 2016 Chevy Silverado with the eight-speed automatic. First, let's talk about the difference between the Ford and the Chevy. Well, uh, you know, it's funny because I was, I'm actually a Ram fan. I really, <laughs> I love the interior of the Ram. I love the coil spring rear suspension. Uh, the infotainment system, the Uconnect, is so it's, easy to use. Uh, yeah, we just had an article in, uh, I believe, the July issue of the magazine that it is the most satisfying infotainment system among owners, by far. Right, so I, I love that. Of course, there's, you know, the Ram has had some reliability issues, so, um, but as far as the Ford, I, I like the Ford. I, I love those EcoBoost engines. Um, uh, but they, they, the handling's a little ponderous at yeah. times. I, I, I don't, not a huge fan of that. I think the Chevy handles a little better. That's actually a disappointment. It goes back to what you were saying earlier about car companies with DNA. Mm. Ford has this DNA of making right. everything drive well, including a transit full-size van is a surprisingly good That's driving right. vehicle. The one exception is the Ford F-150. It's really weird, and you'd think it would handle better because it's like 700 pounds lighter That's or right. something. That's right, and it's so, all new. So why is it, you know, why does it still feel so ponderous? Especially the front end, yeah. it really feels uh, soft and you're just not sure what's going on through turns. Yeah, the Silverado is a little more car-like to drive, a little more. Yeah, I, 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 I very little have what Mike said. I totally agree. I, I, I prefer driving the Ram too, for the same reasons. And, um, you know, between them, I'd give up the one mile per gallon, I'll drive the Silverado just because I like the way the car rides and handles better. Mm -hmm. Um, about the eight-speed in the Silverado, one of the complaints we had about the Silverado with the 5.3 liter is that it felt kind of doggish. You know, it didn't really have much response. Uh, some of it was transmission tuning in order to get 16 miles per gallon out of this truck. Uh, for this year, GM has added an eight-speed automatic. It's only on the top trim LTZ versions, though, so you are paying a lot of money to get that. Mm. Uh, we actually drove one, or I drove one recently, and it is better. It does give more response. It is, it is more flowing with power, but again, you have to be willing to spend that kind of money to get to get that. And it doesn't feel like those EcoBoost yeah, engines. Yeah. Nor does it feel like the Ram with its eight-speed automatic and that 5.7 Hemi. Yeah. I, I'm just thinking back, didn't, didn't we just say that, that we were happy that it's only the six-speed? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm well, calling well, you well, well, no. I'm well, writing so the letter it, right what, now. Did it seem overly shifty or did it seem <laughs> no, less but, overly look, shifty the thing. You can. You know, this, this goes back to a common trap that you can, you, it's so easy to look at this technology good, this technology bad. It's never that black and white. It is all how you tune it. Yeah. Well, let, 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 let me answer the question. I mean, I'll answer the question I posed, which is if you make an engine that is responsive enough and has a broad enough torque band on it, mm -hmm. it really has that power down low, you can get away without the eight-speed automatics. You can get away with, I mean, look, I mean, I've been here long enough. Remember driving supercharged 3800 Buick motors? Mm -hmm. 
four with a four-speed automatic, the thing was beautiful. In fact, let's go back to Tesla a second. You know, you have enough torque in a electric motor, you could get by with one gear. And actually, the funny thing is, is that despite it being a 5.7 liter Hemi V8, that V8 doesn't make a lot of torque until you're revving it. I know right. this because I have a I have a Durango. Oh. I've never said that before. <laughs> really? Yes, right. Oh my God. I, I have a Durango and you have to rev it. The eight speed makes that much, it, it, it makes it feel a lot better mm -hmm. and you get better fuel economy out of it. Um, the other thing about the Ford is the Ford is more reliable. In the first year, it has above average reliability. It's the most reliable domestic yep. truck you can buy. Um, so hope that helped with that. Um, also, talking about utility vehicles. I'd appreciate feedback on buying a premium SUV for towing a 4,000 pound travel trailer. This is for my wife and I and two small dogs that are in dog crates. The key is carrying camping materials, towing, quiet, comfortable long road trips, yet good fuel economy. CR recommends the Lexus GS460 for towing, nice vehicle, but the back door is a real problem. Not a fan of the Durango. Not well, how dare, how dare. I'll. <laughs> <sighs> I'll, 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 I'll Did you just try to delete the whole document I'll, there? I think that's I'll, that's right. Go away. Are there other options you'd recommend? Audi Q7, Mercedes GLE, Acura MDX Hybrid. Q7, Q7, Q7. I mean, yeah, I think that's one of our favorite vehicles. It is. I mean, you know, right I now. think uh, we'd keep it here forever if we could. You know, because mm -hmm. we we own one, uh, and its towing capacity is something like 7,700 7, pounds. pounds. So he's got the towing covered. Beautiful interior, wonderful drivetrain with that supercharged V6. Uh, the quality is great. When you know the reliability should be really good. Yeah, because um, Audi's corporate reliability has been the yeah, best among it's, the Germans. It's, it's a wonderful vehicle. I mean, and it's you know we're talking about vehicles that drive uh, really well, and yeah. that's a vehicle that sure. you can have a little excitement when you're driving it as well, even right. though it's really big. Yep. Your thoughts? I totally, totally agree. I mean, I'm I've become so cynical being here as long as I have. No, and when, when expensive cars believe. like the you know the Q7 come by, I'm like, well, really? Who's going to spend this kind of money? That's one of those cars that you get in. You're like, oh, I see. This is really nice. Mm -hmm. You know, you kind of got you, you could see where what you're buying. Yeah, it drives far better than Lexus GX460. The GX460 oh, sure. is basically a gussied up um, forerunner, mm -hmm. and it has. When he was talking about the door, the door opens from the side. It's not a normal. Not a normal lift gate. Um, I mean, that is a truck-based SUV that doesn't drive that well. Mm -hmm. But um, if you're going to go off-road, you, if you're you going off-road, yeah. it's great. You know, uh, yeah. The other, he mentioned the Mercedes GLE, which is a good choice. It feels older than the Q7 because it is older than the Q7. It does have average reliability, which um, is something for it. But man, that Audi's nice. Mm -hmm. uh, can I throw one more out there? Yes, I mean, sir. I just took a, a six-day road trip to uh, down south to Tennessee and. North Carolina, and I, I took our Honda Pilot. Mm -hmm. And now it's not a premium SUV, but it's gigantic inside. It will tow 5,000 pounds. And it'll tow 5,000 pounds. I mean, it, and when you're driving it, you're thinking, sometimes you think I'm in a minivan, mm -hmm. because that's sort, it's sort of like a glorified minivan. Sure. But if you're looking for space, the ability to tow 5,000 pounds, the drivetrain is really smooth. You know, it's a great engine, great transmission. Uh, handling is sloppy, if you care yeah, at all about handling, but, but it rides really nicely. Touch screen is, uh, is annoying, yeah. but you're talking more like thirty to $45,000. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, than sixty-five. Exactly. Okay. So it could still serve his needs. Well, that, that brings to mind the MDX, the Acura MDX, which also tows 5,000 pounds, is more luxurious. Uh, that nine-speed automatic isn't, isn't a, going back to multi-speed automatics. That nine-speed automatic that's in the MDX, it's optional in the Pilot, so you can avoid mm -hmm, it, mm -hmm. but you have to get it in the MDX, and it's not very nice. 
No, and then they also they have the the dual screens that you you know trying to figure out how to change the radio station. You got to go through the manual three right. times and all that's good stuff. If you've got the money, get the out. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Uh, one more question about European cars and reliability. A couple episodes ago, we talked about the Jaguar XE, and I said that I'd rather take a chance on a Jaguar XE than an Alfa Romeo Giulia. And someone asked, I'm curious why you think a Jaguar would be more reliable than an Alfa Romeo. Do you, have do you have data on the new 4C Alfa sports car? Suggesting that. Julia sounds looks way better in the Jag, and having a 500 BART, I have thought about replacing it with the Julia. No, we don't have data on the 4C, but we have data from Fiat's, mm -hmm. and it has been the worst. Um, even comparing them to Jaguars. Right. A little, little bit of data we have on Jaguars, Jaguars better than Yeah, Fiat. I mean, we, we're looking at, I mean, we're, we're looking at reliability differently now, and we're looking at Jaguar. When we look at Jaguar as a brand, we have plenty of data about Jaguars. We may not have specific data for, we could tell the H model year, mm -hmm. but looking at Jaguar, it's below average, but. It's inching up. It's not, it's not where Fiat is, and right. Fiat, just every model, every piece of data that we're getting from them is just, really bad. So that's what we're looking at. We mm. don't have any Alfa Romeo branded vehicles, but the assumption is that, you know, looking at that, and certainly they're much more complicated than the Fiat vehicles, sure. so I wouldn't roll the dice. I feel like this is almost like trying to figure <clears throat> out which, you know, which of the two worst baseball teams, you know, and what is it right now? Maybe <laughs> wow. Atlanta Braves. I mean, it's a little harsh, you know, Minnesota Twins, you know, which one's the worst? These aren't that bad. The Jaguar's not that bad, but I mean, it's just like we're comparing Jaguar and Alfa Romeo there's a good chance the Alfa Romeo from the past, from, from Chrysler, from Fiat, there's a good chance there's gonna be some reliability issues. Yeah, I mean, the other, the reason I had personally made the comment is, look, um, Fiat has been talking about bringing Alfa Romeo to this country for years and years and years. Every year, you know, it's like, oh, they're just about to come. Oh, they're just about, they're almost here, they're almost here, they're all, and it's like, Jaguar's been here. Jaguar's been here. It mm -hmm. has a dealer network. It, um, you know, they there's a big investment in it. It's a full model lineup. Um, yeah, I'd take a chance on Jaguar actually being it's, here it's, and, oh, me too. and still yeah, being yeah, around rather yeah. than Alfa there's Romeo. Probably will be a few issues here and there with your Jag, but uh, definitely I'd, I'd take the risk. When, I don't think it's a huge risk to take the Jag. Yeah, they actually yeah, have. Alpha, you're they actually have some track record yeah. of being sold in America. So. I would avoid the Jaguar too, but I would avoid the Alfa <laughs> Romeo <true>. more. <laughs> Let me just go on the record there. Maybe you ought to go get an Audi A4. <laughs> yes, or, exactly. Or something else. Yes. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Talking Cars. As always, we thank you for watching. We'll see you again next time.